Ah, so glad to get out of that dang time travel machine. Where'd you go? I went back to the 80s to grab some of that good, good sports merch from my favorite defunct franchises. I spent my life savings on that machine. You bought a time travel machine to buy sports merchandise? Yeah, gladly. You know you could have gone to 503 Sports, right? The, the website? Uh, yeah, no, I didn't think of that at all. Yeah, they sell all sorts of throwback sports merch from leagues like the World Football League, XFL, UFL, and the Arena Football League, several others. Uh, oh, shoot. Yeah, they sell hats, shirts, even custom jerseys from all sorts of vintage sports teams. Oh, man, I spent, like, a lot of money on that time travel machine. Well, look, listeners of AFL Rewind get 10% off their first order by using the promo code ARENAFAN at checkout. That might help you out. Yeah, it does. Go on over to 503-sports.com and, and get your merch today. Do you know anyone who wants to buy, like, a overpriced time travel machine? No, no, sorry, I, I don't. Welcome to AFL Rewind, a look back at all things arena football, sponsored by Phenom Elite. I'm your host, Tim Capper. Just recently, the YouTube channel Arena Football TV posted what many consider to be the grail of all grail games in AFL history, the showcase game. We began to think about who we could get to talk to that had not only a his, some history within that game itself, but also went on to have a great career in the Arena Football League. Because you have to admit, if you go back and you think of who played in that game or who coached in that game, there are a very select few who had a what you would consider a memorable AFL career. Well, we were lucky enough to be able to find just one of those people who was not only a player in the showcase game, but also is a very well-known name in the coaching ranks within the league itself. We are lucky enough to the, to speak with this episode, Steve Tun. So with us on the uh, on the podcast this episode is a head coach. If you follow the Arena Football League, you knew who this was. He was very well... If you were a fan, you loved him. I mean, you really did. I mean, it's uh, he wasn't been considered a, a lifer in the AFL, but he was very, very close to being one. Uh, with us now, we are speaking with uh, Coach uh, Steve Tun. Hey, thanks for joining us. Uh, hey, Tim. Great to be here. Yes. Um, as you and I talked back and forth via email before we uh, got this thing set up, and you know, we both of us mentioned that the recently the uh, the YouTube channel. Uh, put out the actual showcase game for the first time for many AFL fans. And I know this is one thing I want to talk to you about, but um, was was that the very first time that you had gotten involved in arena football or had you known about it prior to playing in the showcase game? You know, when I look back at it, I think I, think I knew a little bit just because um, obviously with Jim Foster starting everything and it, and it really started in the, pretty much in the Chicago area with the Rockford game that was before that. Um, so I knew a little bit about it and I think the Rockford game kind of probably spiked my interest a little bit. Um, and, and then just finding out that they were doing the showcase game. And at that time, um, I was playing semi-pro football. There was a real good semi-pro football league here in the Chicago area at that time. And Gene Nudo, uh, we can get into it a little bit more, but he was one of the coaches 
And a couple of the players that I played with in college were playing for a team called the DuPage Eagles. Okay. And uh, they kind of talked me into playing one year. So that was 1987. So all that was kind of going on at the same time. There was the, the Rockford game. I kind of heard about arena football. And then just a lot going on with the semi-pro uh, kind of league at that time. So can't remember exactly if I knew more about the showcase game or it all kind of happened pretty much at the same time. Was it now, are you able to tell us about the, how the teams were actually picked? How did you get chosen to play in the showcase <laughs> game? I mean, like with You're the, right. like with the test game, it was two, uh, it was two minor league teams, semi-pro teams. It wasn't this, it wasn't, right. this, it wasn't in the same case, was it? No, it, it really, what, what happened and again, I don't know. I can't remember everything. That's I okay. do remember that. <laughs> uh, the one team, the Chicago Bruisers, was basically Gene Nudo's River Grove Cowboys team. Okay. Um, he had a semi-pro team, and they were very good. I think they won national championship or, or, or whatever it was called back then, but I think they won it once or twice. Um, so his team, the River Grove Cowboys, was pretty much the the Chicago Bruisers. I think they added a few guys to that team, um, but that was his team. So our team was really a bunch, for the most part, it was a bunch of local guys, other semi-pro football players. Uh, some, Like I said, some of us from the DuPage Eagles mm-hmm. um, to some other local. It was really Chicago area talent um, that was around. Um, so I, I, I'm not exactly sure how we got put together, um, <laughs> but we, we got put together for, I remember us practicing for two weekends in a row before that game at the Rosemont horizon. Uh, but really it was, we were called the Miami vice. We had Iowa Hawkeye uniforms. Um, and then we were all Chicago guys for the most part. So it was, it was kind of a, a different thing. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, if anybody happened to watch it recently on YouTube, they'll know that you, you did catch a pass in that game. And you guys also won on that last second touchdown. So it was for a team that was put together really at the last moment, you, you guys did pretty good considering. Yeah, we did. We were, uh, I remember practicing, I can't remember where we practiced it, maybe one of the Morton high schools. Um, but I think we practiced there, like I said, two weekends in a row, put together an offense. Um, you know, that's the first time I've seen that game. I saw it, I saw it myself about three weeks ago Mm -hmm. or two weeks ago. And, uh, that's the first time I've ever seen it. Um, so it was kind of fun to watch. Uh, obviously the game was, was pretty different. Um, you know, with, with four linemen, some, some circumstances, we had two running backs a lot, um, but but you could tell it was as the game went on. I think there, there became a little bit more pat at the beginning. Everything was a run, mm-hmm. um, and then as the game kind of went on, there was a little bit more passing. A little bit opened it up a little bit more. Um, but it was fun. I, all I remember was there's, you know, we didn't know if anybody was going to show up that night, and I think nine thousand people showed up at the Ryzen, and they were into it. Um, and uh, it was just a lot of fun. We had a great time. Um, playing um and, and with the crowd getting into it like that not really knowing who we were um they actually thought we were from miami uh so it was you know it, it was just a lot of fun it was a great night um did it how easy was it for you to get used to this game because i've asked you know the others that have been on the podcast before who have played um was it easy to get used to the game itself or was there a learning curve for you um 
for me, since I was in it from kind of from the beginning there, it was pretty easy. And I was a receiver, so it's a receiver throwing league. So mm-hmm. um, as a receiver, we loved it right from day one. Um, just kind of even though the the uh, the parameters of the field and everything was smaller, you know, at that time everything was pretty much man to man coverage. Right. Uh, so there wasn't really a lot of zone back then. So you you really had a great time just going out there and running routes and catching the ball. Um, so it, it, it really, uh, you know, I've said this, I think it's pretty true for the 30 years of arena football that as a receiver, it was always a pretty easy adjustment for everybody just because you were able to get a little more freedom in your routes in the outdoor game. I don't think you have as much freedom. We had a little bit more freedom of when we could make our cut, Mm -hmm. double moves, all that kind of thing. So, um, you know, it, it was just a great sport to to be a part of. And obviously, things got different. You know, years down the line, mm-hmm. where the where the yo-yo motion was actually added in. Because if anybody who watched any of the early games, you know, from '87, they'll notice there's there's no real motion by the uh, by the wide receivers. No, no one did the motion back then. I saw as I was watching the game, like I said a couple weeks ago, it was. Uh, you know, a lot of the outdoor motion, the basically going the quick zap motions, that type of thing, but mm-hmm. nothing, nothing with the high motion and the yo-yo motions where you were, you know, getting that full head of steam going at the line of scrimmage. So obviously, the the league itself uh, started off with the their test season or their I guess like their showcase season back in '87. But you only really got involved in in 1988 with Chicago. Did you want to play in '87, or did you have some other things that you had to do before you decided to become a uh, an AFL? Right, that's a good. No, that's a great question because uh, I wanted to play. We we all thought, um, at least I thought. Maybe I was wrong. I thought everyone that was in that game was going to get invited to training camp. And actually, training camp that first year um, was at Wheaton College, and I played at Wheaton College. Yeah. Um, so when I didn't get invited to training camp, I was kind of I was kind of wondering. I think I, and again, I think I talked to Gino and just said, "Hey, what's up?" And he goes, "He goes, I'm not quite sure." And I went and watched practice a couple times um, at Wheaton, um, but I didn't play that year. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I mean, I actually thought I was going to play that year. Um, but I didn't. And then, uh, going into the next year, then 1988, there was another, um, I think there was another open tryout, I think at Triton college, okay. they had an open tryout. And, uh, you know, I wasn't a great tester kind of guy. So I, I was kind of almost ready to give up on it. And I went to that and actually after that, um, that tryout there, I got signed, um, to go down to Florida for the next training camp. Yeah. And then I made the Bruisers team in 88. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, that was the year, 88 was the year of the triple header, if I'm not mistaken, in preseason down in... Uh, yes, it was. Yeah. yeah. It was down in Daytona. Yeah. Um, so what happened was, for me, um, I was, uh, I didn't know if I was going to make the arena team. So I, I was, you know, we were down there for two weeks, um, wasn't sure I was going to make the team or not, and we had, we all had a uh, triple header, like you said, we were the last game we were playing Detroit. And, uh, at practice one day, um, Don Nelson, who is the president of the Mavs came up to me, we played basketball in college together at Wheaton. So he was down there for back then it was called the Portsmouth invitational or something like that. It was like their, uh, kind of recruiting back then for college players. He said, Hey, do you want to come over? So I actually, I went to Perry Moss one night and said, do you mind if I go miss meetings tonight? You know, I have a chance to maybe scout um for golden state in the nba 
He goes, yeah, sure, go ahead. Well, at that time, I didn't know they were probably getting rid of me. Um, so that's why he said, go ahead. Oh. So I went to that that night, and I came back, and uh, I think a couple days later, we were in Daytona. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think I got into like, the fourth quarter. So I think, you know, I'm not sure I was going to make the team. And I got in, and I think I caught two or three passes. And I do remember uh, tackling Alvin Reddick which was pretty big for me at that time, just because Alvin was about 230 and I was about 165. So, um, but I had a good fourth quarter and, and then I made the team coming back. So, and you, and you, so and you had, yeah, and you had a pretty good year considering this, what the stats were for early arena football. I mean, 21 receptions, 209 yards, two touchdowns. And obviously the bruisers had an amazing season that year at 10, one and one um, being, did you feel that, the team that you were on that year did that you i mean 10 one and one yes you didn't win the arena bowl for to, to, you know you lost it to uh to detroit but uh right. what, what was your thought on your bruisers team that year as you said it was coached by uh you know coach perry moss and uh yeah. your quarterback uh, you know, it was turned out, it was was ben bennett so right it turned out to be a great year i think coming back i think even coach moss said you know hey he, even though in that um game down at daytona i think detroit took it to us pretty good um he pretty much stayed with us i mean we all we all went back up to chicago and and started the next week for the first game and uh it really turned out to be a great team and we we had a lot of good players on that team and i i tell people today you know guys like derwood rockmore i Mm -hmm. think i mean i still think rock is probably the best db i mean people don't even remember him that much but he's probably the best db that ever played um, his, just the way he could anticipate and cover ground and that type of thing. And then I learned so much from Reggie Smith. I mean, Reggie was a great little receiver and just the way he ran routes and he kind of taught me how to make cuts and it, and then just having Ben, um, thrown to us, but it was great. I mean, I, it, I learned a lot that year. Um, I got hurt a little bit. I, I pulled my hamstring a couple of times, so I missed a couple of games, but, um, it was a great season. It was a lot. It was one of the most fun seasons I ever had. I mean, the guys in that team were pretty funny. Um, so it was just uh, overall, it was a great, great first season and a great experience. What was it? What was it like for the turf? Everybody who's seen the TV at the you know TV at the games at that time, the turf between then and and what it was back you know in twenty nineteen, completely different. Was <laughs> did, did you? Was it, I'm, I'm guessing you may being a wide receiver, you may not have been a fan too much of what the turf was in, uh, in that day. The turf was not good. I mean, it was bad. It was hard. They, they, you know, they said they put a cushion under it. Um, all the turfs were, I don't know if all of them, but I think a lot of them were bought from outdoor fields. Um, so I think the, uh, I think one of the turfs, I don't know if we had it or somebody had one turf that was at the cotton ball, um, that they just took off. So, so all the turfs that they put in were mostly outdoor, the old style, turf that was was pretty hard so like i said some some put more cushion than others under them um some didn't have that much cushion so it was uh every arena was a little different and yeah they were not not like the turf that these guys had in the last 10 15 years Mm -hmm. that's for sure um what happened in uh, obviously you come Mm -hmm. off of a arena bowl loss but you don't play in 89 What, what did you do in 89 I actually did play in 89. Oh, did you? Um, yeah. So 89 was, um, I, the, the league folded and then they had a four game season 
with basically all road games to try to get interest again. Yes. Um, so I had talked, I talked to, and I can't think of his name right now. He kind of did personnel for the whole league. And I had a big family reunion vacation uh, planned that year down in North Carolina. And I really, you know, I had a young daughter. I didn't want to miss it. So we we're, I said, Hey, you, you know, I'm not sure if I want to do arena again. Cause it was, wasn't quite sure. We were all, I think uh training camp was at Rensselaer that year Yes, at St. Joe's. Yep. Um, and so anyways, I went to, uh, I went to North Carolina and, and the last couple of days I just talked to my wife. I said, Hey, if, if they need somebody, I'm going to go play. So I called up, I think his name was Mac, Mac Lewis. I think that was his name. Um, so I gave him a call and I said, Hey, you know, if you need anybody, the last two games, you know, I'm done with vacation here. I can play. Well, I guess that night, uh, DB got hurt, uh, out in Sacramento, a Chicago DB got hurt. So he called me the next day and said, Hey, can you make it to Cincinnati? Um, I said, sure, no problem. So I, I met the team in Cincinnati. Uh, we were going to play the Washington Commandos, and I actually found that game on uh, YouTube too. I haven't seen that; I've never <laughs> seen that game. Um, so I found that a couple weeks ago, and so I met the team down there. And I was actually the defensive specialist that year, believe it or not. So they needed a DB, and uh, so I played defensive specialist there. Then we drove, got in a bus right after that game. We beat Washington, and we got in a bus and we drove down to Atlanta and played Denver. And I think we beat them. I don't know if we beat them, and that was a close game. Um, and then we had a playoff game up in Detroit, and we lost that game to Detroit. So I did play three games that year um, as a defensive specialist. Okay, for uh, for so for the Bruisers again. Okay, okay, that's for the Bruisers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, eighty. Uh, the, the you know the league gets a little bit more stable. Obviously, you know the something seemed to have worked with the. Uh, with the barnstorming season that they called 1989. Um, how did you get involved with the expansion Albany Firebirds and Coach Rick Buffington? They they got my rights. So somehow, I don't know if, I, I don't think it was really a draft back then, but I think they got, got my rights. And, if, uh, you know, the Chicago Bruisers were done. So yeah. quite. I think Reggie Smith, myself, Derwood Rockmore, might have been one or two others, they got our rights to, to go to Albany. And at that time, I was thinking about not playing anymore just because I wasn't sure where the league was going. And and uh, when it got closer to it, I you know I thought, hey, I think it was an eight game season that year. And I said, you know, hey, it's eight games. You know, I'll, I'll be out there for a little over two months, and I'll be back home. So um, I decided to go out there and play uh, in '90. So that's um, that's kind of how I got started in Albany. Okay. What what was it like being on an, uh, a true expansion team that year? I mean, coach, you know, Co- coach Buffington has made a, a name for himself, sure. obviously in the AFL. But what was it like being uh, uh, being on an expansion club? You know, it was great. Um, y- you know, you could tell we were all kind of starting new again. There was a lot of new teams that year. Um, everyone was starting, even though I had been playing for two years. It was like a new league almost mm-hmm. uh, going into it. And it was great. And just being in Albany, I mean, everyone knows what Albany was like. And, yeah. and again, that 1990 wasn't quite, you know, where it got to in the later nineties and where, you know, the couple of years ago where it was, but, but you could just tell Albany was a great fan base. They loved the game from day one and they just, they just kind of took us in. So it was a great, uh, going out to Albany, even that first year was a great experience. I mean, not only did you do a league first when you were in Chicago your first year with the, the first ever league tie, 
your first ever game with the Albany Firebirds, you guys set the league record for the lowest total points in a in a game. So, <laughs> um, it's you. I mean, you started off slow, but I, I remember seeing a game too on 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 YouTube. It was not the same. I mean, being called the New York Firebirds. I, I heard the whole story about that one. Um, sure, it's it. It it was totally different. No, you know nothing in the end zones that year. It was really really weird. But as you said, it was the catalyst of what was going to become the Albany Firebirds that we knew up until the up until the year two thousand. So, yeah, it really was. We started off. I mean, obviously that first game. I, I don't remember specifics, but you know whatever the score was, we didn't score. I think we got booed some too um, in Albany there. So yeah, it was. Uh, well, but we got better as that year went on. I think, it, you know, I remember every single game getting better. Um, I think we kind of, you know, figured it out, uh, you know, who was playing kind of offensively, defensively, what we're going to do. So I do remember that, um, you know, by week five, six, seven, eight, um, it was a much different team mm-hmm. than it was that first week when we were out there. Yeah. Um, what was it like for your next couple of years in Albany? In '91 through '93, uh, through the rest of your playing career, it was you, it's same coach, coach Buffington. But um, what do you remember from from your time in in Albany after that? I think the biggest thing is that the uh, coach Owens he came in the next year as our OC. Yeah. Um, so having Mike coming in, and then he and Mike Daly came with him. Uh, so Buff got two, you know, real good coaches that came on his staff. And I think Hoensey was great for me. Um, you know, Mike was pretty innovative back at that time, uh, putting in new formations. He started really, you know, kind of dealing with all the stuff you can do in arena football. He was trying to uh, figure it all out, and he just came up with great stuff back then. So Mike was pretty innovative. And me, kind of as a receiver, I loved all that stuff, you know, kind of, I don't know if trickery is the word, but just coming up with new stuff every week. Um, so I really enjoyed being out there and playing for Hoensey and um, just kind of learning from him and all the stuff he did. And again, that, I mean, when I started coaching, a lot of the stuff that I took was from Mike. Yeah. Um, but that that's what I remember, just, just being out there. Hoensey, we had, uh, I think, 91. I got hurt right away in 91. I went out there and um, I had a real good first game and then I, I – tore my PCL. Um, so I couldn't play the rest of the year. And then coming back in 92, I played and then 93, I played, I knew I was kind of dying down that, you know, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm going to be done here. So I started thinking about coaching in the league and started talking to Hoenty and Buffington and everything about, Hey, you know, I think I want to start coaching. Yeah. Um, after this, I'm kind of tired of getting beat up here. So, um, but it, it, like I said, every year the fans were better. Um, you know, it's just Albany was just a great place to be, and like I said, I kind of fit. I fit in with with where where let's say Hoenty fit me in, um, where I could have some success being a receiver. So it was a lot of fun those three years. And you played with some pretty good team, pretty good players, obviously too. You know, the great Freddie Gales was one of your one of your uh, uh, you know one of your teammates. Um, Daryl Hammond. Uh, he played with the great Tom Porras. I mean, and Gary Gusman. I mean, you had. You played with a lot of players that are considered uh, stars in, in the early days of the league. Yeah, Tom Porras was a very good quarterback. I mean, if Tom would have, you know, if Tom would have had the career that, you know, the Radabaugh's and all those type of guys that have, that played arena football for eight, nine, ten years, you know, Tom was that type of quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he fit in his, you know, he 
just his touch on the ball and his accuracy. I mean, I love playing for Tom or, you know, having him as a quarterback. Yeah. And like you said, Freddie Gales, Daryl Hammond, Eric Hoskins, yeah. Myron Jefferson. I mean, I had a blast playing with all those guys. We, uh, um, we really did get along pretty good out there. And I think that was part of Albany that, um, every year I was out there, the, the teams really got along well. I mean, we interacted really good and we did a lot of stuff together. Um, so it was great. And Gary got, you said Gary Gossman, yep. he's still one of my best friends today. So, um, you know, it was just getting, it was a great time to, like I said, just to be out there for those three years and playing football. So you said at the end of 93, you, you felt that you were just completely done. You're too beat up and you wanted to go ahead and make the switch over to coaching, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yep. Uh, and in the 90, 94, you just happened to catch on also with the Albany Firebirds as their wide receiver special teams coach. I mean, uh, was it your first offer as a head coach that you were given or, or did some, were some other team, were you looking at some other teams? You know what? It was, it was, uh, you know, I, at that time I thought, well, let's put it this way. Coming out of college, I always thought I'd be a basketball coach. Okay. So I never thought I was going to coach football. Um, so at that time, I was playing when I was playing football, I was coaching basketball in the arena football off season. Um, so I was coaching back here at Wheaton college and I was in college coaching. And, um, so I really, really thought I was going to be a basketball coach. Um, and that 92 kind of around that 92, 93, I was looking at high school jobs. I was looking at small college jobs and just everything. I just couldn't get anything. I mean, every interview I went to, everything was just falling through. So, um, Hohensee took over the Firebirds in 94 and I remember calling Mike and just saying, Hey, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking to coach. I don't know if you need anybody, this and that. And, and uh, he just, he called back and said, Hey, I don't have a lot of money, but I have a spot for you. I'd love to have you as receivers and help with special teams and kind of get your foot in the door. And, um, so I jumped at it. Nothing else was happening basketball wise. So I kind of jumped at the arena football and and obviously it turned out to be a pretty good decision. yeah exactly um is it fair to say coach that and i think a lot of players and coaches may have said this and it may depending on on even where anybody can work today it do you find that it's it was not necessarily what you knew at the time but it was it was who you knew that got you the job yeah i mean i think that's the way it is in a lot of circumstances um i think a, a lot of coaching is kind of who you know and then once you get in it's what you know yeah. and you have to show that you do know something um and and again Hohensee knew me Mike Daly was still on the staff so Mike knew me um so it was a pretty easy transition even though I had just played the year before and I was coaching you know a lot of the guys that I had just played with um it was a pretty easy easy transition and and Mike gave me you know he was good at just hey the receivers are yours kind of take them and and again he I don't want to say I had a lot of input, but he would give, you know, he'd ask for my ideas on offense and just routes and that type of thing. Um, so I really felt like I, not only did I learn a lot, but I felt like as a first year kind of coach that, that I felt like I was, was kind of given a lot to really, you know, get ready to, Hey, if I become an offensive coordinator, if I become this, you know, I'm going to be ready. So I think, uh, Owen C and Daly gave me gave me a lot of info there to get me ready. Yeah, sure, and obviously, you know, being wide receivers coach, it obviously, you know, I'm sure it helped just a little bit having a guy named Eddie Brown on your on your on your roster, right? <laughs> <laughs> Eddie was pretty good. None of us knew how good Eddie was going to be, so I think I picked Eddie up at the airport. Um, 
and Eddie didn't talk much back. Well, Eddie talks a lot, but Eddie didn't talk much. And you know, I'm, I'm bringing him back in the van, and he wasn't saying too much. Hello? Hey, Coach. That was uh, just weird. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. No, no, I don't know. I don't think it was your fault. I think Skype just died. So <laughs> oh, okay. today's technology. Oh, um, so where was that? You were saying uh, you just pick up Eddie. Eddie from the uh, you're picking him up at the airport. Uh, you know Eddie doesn't really he talks now, but at that point at that time he he really wasn't saying much. Yeah, he wasn't saying too much. I think Eddie was just trying to figure out like you know what am I doing here in Albany? Where what's going on here? But um, and again, we couldn't tell right away in practice how good he was. But our first preseason game or scrimmage, you could tell right away just how good his hands were how he had just attacked the ball and just how he got open all the time. Yeah. Um, so you could tell pretty fat. And then I think the first game he had four touchdowns, second game he had four touchdowns, the third game he had, I mean, it, it just, you know, he just went off right away. So, um, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty fun to see, uh, see Eddie Brown have his start. So was it a matter of, uh, of Eddie getting used to the game or was it uh, a difference between what coaching him about the game itself and also having Mike Perez as his, uh, as his quarterback? I think it's a little bit of everything. Um, like I said, I think it's easier for receivers to get used to the game a lot quicker just because it's a passing game. I think Hohenzee helped just kind of highlighting Eddie right away. Mike Perez helped just Mike just being so good. Um, so I think it was just a little combination of everything and, you know, making Eddie our OS right away. Um, so it, it was, uh, it was pretty impressive. Just, you know, at first I wasn't even sure I'm watching this guy do it, you know, for three, four games. And, you know, whenever a new guy comes in the league, you're not quite sure, you know, how good he is. Um, but yeah, it was pretty impressive watching him in those first few games. Yeah. Um, guys did very well that year. You went, uh, you went 10 and two, uh, and yeah, it seems like it was the early thing on with, with, uh, Albany and Arizona, Arizona. I remember that game cause I was their coach and I, I remember how that game ended and I was not happy. Um, <laughs> I, I, I can only imagine what it was like on your end of the, uh, of the field. Cause if I remember correctly, it was the disputed call or disputed, um, uh, possible PI that wasn't called. I, I don't remember. I'm trying to remember what it was, but uh, I, I remember leaving that game not too pleased. Uh, you know, having Arizona knock off Albany at home. Yeah, and I, I, it was just a. It, it was kind of a frustrating game. They came in, and and I remember it was low scoring, and you know we weren't used to that. And yeah. I don't think Arizona was used to that either. I think it was a little low scoring, and uh, <laughs> like you said, I think there was. I don't remember that much of it, but I know there was just some controversy at the end there on yeah. uh, the fourth down or whatever it was in the past. So, uh, but it was a tough one just because, you know, it was one of those years where, you know, we obviously we had a lot of success. Mm-hmm. We were riding high. We had a home playoff game. So to end it like that, you know, it was always, it's always a tough situation. For sure. Now what, uh, what led to your, to you leaving uh, the Firebirds and then joining another year, I guess your second expansion club, but your first as a coach. Um, to the Kinetic Coyotes and uh, with a head coach you had been under before too with uh, Rick Buffington. Yeah, I was all planning on going back to Albany and then uh, Connecticut came in the league and Buff got the job and Buff called me and um, 
you know, it, it wasn't like I was on, it was really, for me, it was just a step up where now I could be, you know, after one year, I had a chance to be an offense coordinator already um, and go call plays. So I, it was just an opportunity that I just didn't think I could miss. So uh, joining with Buff in Connecticut and being able to be the OC uh, was just a great opportunity for me. So, um, but yeah, that's that's the reason I yeah. took off or left and went to Connecticut. How was your experience this time around actually building an expansion club versus playing on an expansion club as you did a few years prior. Yeah, it was tough. We, I mean, I, we did have some veteran players. I don't know if it was an expansion draft or how we got, but we did have some vets on the team. Um, but it was a new team. I mean, I remember in training camp, there was a lot of teaching going on, just teaching everyone how to play the game. Um, I remember we had Tyrone Thurman, mm-hmm. we had, uh, Clemente Gordon, we had a couple, Mike Holt was our quarterback. I mean, we did have some bets, but it was a, it's kind of a big switch trying to get everybody ready, uh, for the arena season. So, um, and then for me, for being the first year and installing an offense, it was pretty much, like I said, it was what Holmes he did. Cause that's what I knew. Right. Um, so just kind of putting everything together. Um, and, and again, in arena, you only have two weeks, so you gotta hurry up and get it in. So, yeah. Uh, I just remember just trying to hurry up and get everything in and be ready for that first game. Is that the first time you'd actually written your own playbook or had you had d- dabbled in it prior to that? Um, really, it was the first time I, I did it. And I used a lot of the same terminology that we had in Albany. I mm-hmm. changed a few things around um, just to kind of make it mine. But it was really, really pretty much the same terminology um, that I had learned. So that wasn't that hard. It was just getting everybody in their spots and just knowing what they're doing. Yeah. Obviously having only a one win season as your first season as OC is, I'm sure you weren't very happy with, but were you able to take away anything positive from that, from that season? It was tough. I mean, we, uh, I remember we started off pretty good. We lost two close games right off the bat. Um, and then we lost Mike. I think Mike got hurt in the third game hold. And I think Clemente had a couple of good games. And then we, I think we lost Clemente for a while. So it was just one of those years where we were an expansion team. Um, yeah, a lot of rookies were playing by the end. I don't think we – I think we suffered a little bit on the O-line and D-line. We just weren't quite, quite strong enough to, to stay with all the good teams that were in the league at that time. Yeah. Um, so – it was, it was tough, but it was good just being able to go through the whole season and, and call an offense for the whole season. Um, how did you end up heading over to Milwaukee the next season? You know, I think Connecticut made the change. Um, I think, I, I think again, I think Spurduto came in. Um, I was just talking with Mike Trigg. Mike Trigg and I had known each other. It was close. Um, I wanted to stay in the league. I didn't want to get out of the league, so... Um, you know, I, I remember calling Trigg and just saying, "Hey, what, you know, are, what are you guys looking for? Do you need anything?" And and Mike was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trigg was great. He called the offense, but again, it was one of those situations where um, I was able to do a lot with the receivers, do a lot again, do a lot with the special teams, um, and just kind of learn. Now I learned from Trigg, who was more from the um, Detroit Drive kind of um, that. That, that era, that school, um, yeah, so yeah, yeah, that school. Yeah. Um, so to learn kind of how he had, had learned things from from Tim Markham mm-hmm. and 
you know, so it was good for, it, it actually turned out great for me just cause I got to learn kind of from another person who had been involved in arena football from day one with Markham. So it was good. And you, and you had a good year. I mean, you guys went 10 and four that year. Um, it's funny. Your, your old team came back to bite you guys in the playoffs itself, but you know, you're knocked off in the semis. I think it was to, to Albany, but, um, right. you guys had some, you had some very good players on the team. I mean, the, the life for himself, Todd Hamill, um, Right. And and a guy who, if I'm not mistaken, I think this is the year where you had another quarterback who ended up being very successful in his career and only joined the team in the for the first time to start his career in an exhibition in Europe. I think you know. I think you. I think you know who I'm talking about, Coach. You know Clint Dozell. Right. You know, he's you know he's he's some guy. I mean, but <laughs> um, what was it? Uh, what were your thoughts on? Well, you know what we did. Uh, yeah, they. I mean, we had a lot of talent up there. I mean, it, it was a loaded team. I mean, there was a lot of good players, um, just talent wise. <laughs> and I, I kind of, I didn't know who Clinton was going up there, and I got to know Clint. Uh, obviously, he was up there from Texas. Yeah. So the one thing we started doing right away was I remember we started playing golf. I didn't know he was a golfer. He didn't know I was. So we just started playing golf some, um, and that's probably how I got to no Clint the most just out on the golf course. Um, and right away, the one thing with Clint, you could tell, well, you could tell in practice every day being behind, uh, Hamill. I mean, he took practice. He wanted to beat everybody in practice. Um, and the same thing on the golf course. I mean, he did not want to lose. And I know people have said that about Clint kind of his whole career, but that was the thing that, um, you know, I found out pretty quick that man, this guy, not only he's a pretty good quarterback. He gets the game. He's tough. But he don't want to lose at anything. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, he, he. But Todd had a great year that year too, and Todd had been a veteran in the league, and Clint played his role well that year. But you could just tell that, you know, after that year, you know, Clint was going to be ready to go somewhere and be a quarterback. And it's it's funny you mentioned that. Obviously, we'll, we'll jump to eighty to ninety eight here in a couple of minutes. What what did you end up doing in ninety seven? Ninety seven, I, I actually went down uh, Texas. The Texas job opened up. Okay. Um, so I think six of us went down and interviewed, and Dave Ewart got the job. Dave was yeah. the uh, assistant coach at St. Louis at the time, and uh, Dave asked me to be his offense coordinator. Uh, so I went down to Houston, and I was the offense coordinator um, the second year of the actual Texas Terror. Um, and that's when we brought in Clint, and he actually he actually brought in Marty Lowe, who was kind of a backup from John Kaleo at St. Louis because he knew, he knew Marty and then I knew Clint obviously from Milwaukee. So those were our two quarterbacks that year in the training camp. Okay. Okay. So you, you had some, you had a a little, little history with the actual Texas tear then. Yeah, I was there in 97. I was the OC for Texas tear. Okay. What were your, I've asked coach Dozell this question already since we interviewed him quite a while back for, for the podcast. I want to know your thoughts on this too. You go from being the Texas Terror to the Houston Thunder Bears. I think you know what question I'm going to ask you. Um, <laughs> what were your thoughts? Is it, it for, if for you, is it just the team itself? Does your team name really matter to you as a head coach? Or does when you hear something like this going from Texas Terror to the Houston Thunder Bears? What, what were your thoughts? Well, I think the big thing back then was they wanted to, uh, you, you know, I became the head coach after that first yes. year down there. Yeah. And uh, they they wanted to change the name, I think, to make it more of a Houston, you know, they, this is a Houston team. Right. Um, 
So, you know, which, which made sense back then. And so I was, I was actually down there uh, myself and I don't know, we probably had six or seven players for the unveiling and I didn't even know what it was at that time. <laughs> um, they wouldn't even tell me. So we get to, you know, whatever the restaurant bar was and they had, they had a big logo up, they had covered it and, uh, they unveiled it. And I remember some of the players just kind of looking at me and I kind of looked back at them and, um, I said, all right, it's the Thunder Bears. Um, so we, I think it's, I think it turned out to be a great name. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time I was kind of looking at like Thunder Bears, what, you know, kind of what it, what is this? Um, <laughs> but, uh, but really, you know, and the uniforms actually turned out pretty cool. Yeah, they were nice. So, yeah. um, in the long run, I think it turned out to be a good name, but when you just, when it, when you're, when you're just hit with the name, you're kind of going, okay, uh, so, yeah. but it, it turned out to be good. And now, it, as a, for you as a coach, does it really matter to you though, or do you find that it helps? No, but wherever you're, wherever you are, it helps with the community, obviously. But did, for you, doesn't. Really I think matter? it helped with the. Yeah, I think just becoming Houston definitely helped down there, just to give it more of a identity of of where the team was mm-hmm. and who we were. So I think that was a that was a great idea. Okay. Um, obviously, I mean, you did well in '98. The last last three years as being a head coach there in Houston weren't so so good. But I, I want to ask you specifically about ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand because two thousand and one, as I as I know you know, is a completely different story for you. Um, <laughs> what were your what were your thoughts on the team from ninety eight to to two thousand? What how did you go from an eight six team to a three and eleven team in two in two thousand? Right. Well, we knew we had some good talent coming back in ninety eight, and with Clint at quarterback and. We knew we had some good receivers. Uh, Terry Gray was doing personnel back then for me, and he did a good job of finding guys. Uh, so we knew we had um, a lot of good players coming back. Um, so we thought, hey, this, you know, we, we, we should play pretty well this year. Right. Um, so it, it kind of what, you know, I think we were disappointed a little bit. I thought we, you know, we, we'd even be a little bit better, but it was great just kind of turning the whole, you know, turning everything around and going to the playoffs and that type of thing. I think it was great. Um, it was great for the city. It was great for the guys. I mean, it was just, it was really, it was a good year. It was a fun year. Clint was able to show how good he was going to become. Um, so everything just kind of, kind of fit that year. So it was a, it was a good year. Right. Um, the 99, yeah. I can tell 99, what happened was, um, we thought everyone was coming back and this and that. We were going to the training camp. There was a new league that started down there. I don't know if you remember that. There was an outdoor league that started in, I believe it was 1999. Um, and all the guys, all the guys basically said they were coming back and this and that. Well, I lost, I lost like seven players, seven, eight players to the Texas team. Okay. Um, and so, you, you know, I thought I had the whole team coming back there in March for training camp, and all of a sudden we're going in the year, and we're we're trying to find players just so we could have training camp. Was this uh, uh, an, an indoor league coach, or was this it was an outdoor? It was an outdoor league back then. I can't think of the name of it right now. Um, but Carlos Fowler and Daryl, all my linemen that were pretty good, all went to that league. Um, I'm pretty sure it was '99. I think I have the right year. Um, <laughs> I've been in this too long. Um, 
but yeah. So anyways, it, and we, we struggled, um, struggled a little bit that year. So everything changed a little bit. And then, um, you know, Clint, Clint leaving, going to the bears then. And, you know, that we just had quarterback changes and, and other stuff. So, um, but the first year was great and it was just, it was just a lot of difficult situations the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, we were talking before about, um, community and how good a name is for the community. Um, in 2001, well, I, I've heard traveling thunder bears. I've heard many different nicknames for what your team was called that year. It, it wasn't necessarily Houston thunder bears. Um, how did you feel as a head coach who needs to basically rally your team together? And this may have been the, the perfect opportunity to do so, but basically you find out that you are going to be a barnstorming team for most of the year. Yeah. I didn't find out until about a month before the season. So we're, um, you know, sometime in February where I got the call from, <laughs> from the league and, um, saying, Hey, Les is, uh, Alexander has let the team go. We're, we're taking over the team. Um, and you will not have any home games. Uh, so that's basically what I was told. And, you know, we're starting here in a month. Um, so there really wasn't a lot of time to plan or prepare, um, that type of thing. And, um, so I, I actually, what I did, I, I, I looked at bringing the team up here. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, if we're just going to travel, um, you know, I, I, I checked in the college do page, which is a junior, real good junior college over here. And I was trying to say, Hey, if we're going to travel, who, who cares where we're based? If we're the Houston Thunderbirds, it doesn't really matter. And, uh, <laughs> everything, but we had so much, we had everything set down there. We had new apartments already set for the guys. We had, uh, University of Houston, we had their practice, we had their game field and their indoor site. I said, hey, we have everything set up in Houston, you know, even though um, we're not going to have a home game, let's do everything in Houston. So, um, yeah, it was an experience. It was it was fun in a lot of ways because you did have to kind of bond and come together. Um, you had to change the way you coach just because you had to give a lot more days off, a lot more film sessions, just because everyone was tired. I mean, for the most part, um, you know, you're, you're, you're flying or busing, you know, every, every single week. So, um, I think our guys did a great job. They kind of embraced it. Uh, we ended at the beginning, we were, we were like taking team pictures everywhere we went, um, you know, on the field after the games and stuff like that. We ended up losing, quite a few close games in a row, which, which hurt us. Um, and then by the end of the year, we just started running out of gas. Um, you could just kind of tell that it was, it was getting tougher and tougher. Um, but, but it, it, as bad as it was set up, it, it, it wasn't that bad of an experience. And it, it was a good group of guys too. So a lot of those guys that played that year kept playing for quite a few years on other teams. So, um, so it turned out to be pretty good that way. As we just uh, in the win loss column, it was kind of tough to succeed. Um, is it something that you're surprised? I'm guessing that from what you said a month prior, that he basically tell you know the, tells the the league, yeah, um, you're not going to have any home games. Were you surprised at that point that the league was allowing this to occur at this point? Do you know if the league tried to get another owner for the team before the season started? 
I think they did try to get somebody. Um, I think it was just at that time, it was too late to, to keep it right there in Houston at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they were going to take over. So I think them taking over was the easiest thing for them to do. I'm not quite sure what their thinking was. Um, I'm guessing it was the easiest or best way to go about it. Um, and then once they did that, then I thought, Hey, you know, they thought, Hey, let's just play. We played games everywhere. So we were kind of a Guinea pig to get excitement in other cities. So we played in Madison, Wisconsin. We played in uh, West Virginia. We played in Bismarck. We played in Fresno. Um, you know, we were just all over the country and I think they were using us as, Hey, you know, we might get a, a good arena, um, city out of one of these, you know, if it, if it looks good in the future. So, um, so I think that, you know, it's probably best for the league to do that too. Um, but like I said, it was just tough as a team and as players, it was really tough for 14 games to go on the road every week. I can imagine because you, as it basically living out of a hotel the entire year, even though, some, yeah. you know, the players may have had some different, different places to stay, but of those four different cities, coach, were that where you were the quote unquote home team, Charleston, yeah. Madison, Bismarck, right. Lubbock, you forgot Lubbock, and uh, I think, uh, Lubbock, uh, yeah. West Valley City, Utah. What was the yeah, worst? Utah. Utah was tough because we were the home team. And I remember, again, I don't know, they wanted to be the home team, like introductions and everything else. Mm-hmm. And I just said, you know, I just said, no, we're the home team. Um, so if we're the home team, you know, Arizona's getting introduced first, we're second. Um, they wanted to change everything around that night. So I remember the whole pregame, you know, an hour and a half before we're just arguing about who's the, technically we were the home team, but they wanted them to be the home team. So there's just a lot of stuff like that going on before the game, um, which made it difficult. The one, when we were out in Fresno, um, Houston flooded, um, and four of us lost our cars. So when we got back that week, um, we're all dealing with insurance people and my car was in a garage and it was, you could have about one foot from the ceiling was full of water. Um, so, and, and university of Houston shut down. So we didn't practice the whole week before we went to Lubbock. So we had team meetings and, um, so we came back from Fresno and team meetings and watched some film. And then we got in a bus and went to Lubbock. So it was, it was, a it was a tough situation. I can imagine. Uh, that's. It, I, I'm sure it's. But as I said before, I think it, if it was the best situation, it brought you and the team closer together. Is that what you would take away from that horrible 2000 it really season? Did. I mean, it, you know, and and I credit the players that year. I mean, they were all pretty tight group, and um, you know, we had a nice apartment complex that they were all at. So I remember the guys just doing a lot of stuff together. We tried to do some meals and you know, just get togethers like that just to, to keep everyone together. But, um, you know, as much as you try to do that, it's still, still tough to win football games. Oh, I'm sure. I want to, want to backtrack here for a second. I wanted to ask you uh, the question because we were talking about 99 before and what fans need to remember too, is that in 99, at one point, the league did say we're done because this had the whole thing to do with the, you know, the, it was the, earliest time before a real union was about to start um the whole james gidry thing was you know the whole uh, thing was going on then the whole lawsuit um what was your thought as a head coach trying to bring in players for, and for the very first time having to deal 
with a, what was a, a first in the arena league, but a, an official salary cap and, and free agents. Yeah, it was tough back then because we were, um, you know, when the league, you know, basically said they were done. Yeah. I, I think we all thought in the back of our mind as coaches, and I had talked to somebody that, you know, it, it, we were hoping and we thought, hey, this will still come back here and we're going to play this year. But, right. but we weren't quite sure, you know, how it was going to happen or when or what. And, it, you know, it, it actually, I think, happened pretty quick that we uh, decided to play. But it was it was tough getting players and um, just being in Houston. And we had a big switch that year just with the, um, you know, because Clint was gone that year. Yeah. Um, so Robert Hall became my quarterback that year. Um, who had been my receiver the year before, uh, one of the, you know, a very good receiver too. So it was, we just had a lot of changes. And then with the new, you know, a lot of the CBA and the union stuff was getting big. There was a lot of changes with the salary cap. And then basically us coaches, I mean, I did my salary cap basically after every game in my apartment. So I'd go, you know, I'd write down everything that the guys did. And hey, he's a $700 game guy. He got, $25 here for an interception. He got two pass breakups, give him another 50. You know, I, I did everyone's payroll for about two or three hours the next day after everyone's game, after the game. So um, there was just a lot to it that year. Um, and being in Houston, it, you know, it just kind of made it a little tougher. Yeah. Did it, uh, well, besides being in Houston, did it, uh, were there a lot of challenges trying to recruit people? Because as you said, new salary cap, Player X may want, yeah, you know what, coach, you want me to come play with you? I'm, I want this much. Were there any situations for you, coach, where you had to say money versus, uh, not necessarily lesser talent, but money versus talent? Sure. Well, we were, yeah, and if I remember right, we were a little lower on the scale. So it was, um, you know, we had to, the good thing about it was that you could, you know, I, I did have some money to give to guys like, you know, say a Clint or so I did have money. Um, but then we also had to bring in a lot of rookies at base. Um, so you, you, it was, it was tough because I had a lot of guys that I really liked from the year before that you're trying to go, you know, Hey, you know, I want, you know, I'm offering them 800 or whatever, and they want 1200. Well, back then that's a pretty big gap. Um, so you're just trying to do a lot of negotiations and, you know, Hey, this is what I can give you. And, um, the good thing was, like I said, there's four or five guys that we definitely could give money to that we go, Hey, at least I got some, I can compete and, and get them. But it was tough because I had a lot of guys that I wanted to keep on the team, um, and try to keep them happy. So I remember just trying to work that cap quite a bit. Yeah. Um, it seemed, I guess, I guess somewhat unfair that after 2001, you are not with the, you know, everything you went through in 2001, you're not going to be with the Thunder Bears anymore. Um, what was, uh, what were your thoughts in between the 2002 and 2003 seasons before you joined up with uh, the Georgia Force? Um, you know, I wasn't quite sure. Um, I was still, I was under contract a little bit for, for Houston for a while. Okay. Um, and then, um, you know, the opportunities back then, there just weren't that many at that time. So I kind of waited till the next year, um, to see what was, you know, I went to a lot of games, uh, at Chicago at the Rosemont or Allstate arena. Then, yeah. um, I went to quite a few games that year just to watch, um, just cause I hadn't really, 
sat down and watched games. So I think it was good just to see, you know, five, six, seven games and, and just kind of watch it from a different perspective. Um, so that was good. And then I was just hoping that, Hey, those, you know, there should be, should be some opportunities in the next year. And then actually there was, it was, it was Dallas, not Georgia, but Dallas okay. opened up in, in the no see. Um, and I had talked to them a little bit before that. So, um, this is kind of a natural fit that, you know, I was able to, uh, you know, after that, that year hook on with Dallas, um, and go down there to a great, you know, a great organization. Yeah. Um, obviously you're, you're, you were very close to where you were the year prior technically. I mean, uh, any much of an up change for leaving Houston and going to Dallas? I mean, obviously a completely different team. Everybody knows the, the, you know, the Desperados, but, uh, uh, what was the, the difference between Houston and Dallas? It was a lot different. Um, just in, in Houston, even though we were owned by an NBA team, we really did, us coaches did a lot of it. Um, you know, not that the people didn't treat us well, that, but we did a lot of stuff, um, you know, to make the football team go. In Dallas, I mean, we had, the Cowboys did a lot for us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it was a great situation just you kind of, I realized pretty quick, like, wow, um, this is a professional, very professional organization. And Shy Anderson was running the team. It was the Jones's son-in-law and Shy was great. So it was just, uh, um, it was kind of fun just to go into an organization like that and just see, uh, not how well run it was, but just how they wanted to succeed in the arena too. Yeah. Um, so from Dallas, you ended up uh, joining the Georgia Force. Is that correct? Yeah, I was two years in Dallas, and then uh, um, went up to Georgia in 2005. Okay, uh, what was it? Uh, what, what was your experience there with, with Georgia? You were the OC there also, but uh, what was your experience uh, being with the Georgia Force? Yeah, that was great too. Um, just being owned by Arthur Blank, and we kind of like in uh, Dallas, we had a lot of. Um, we used, you know, the Cowboys facilities quite a bit and that type of thing. Same thing in Atlanta. I mean, we were, you know, they, they made us a part of the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, we had a locker room right there at their, um, indoor practice facility. We used their weight room. We, you know, they built meeting rooms. I mean, it was first class. It was the first time where I'd been with an arena team where it was, they made stuff for us. Wow. Um, so we had we kind of had our own little facility there at the Atlanta Falcons facility. So uh, and they treated us real well. Um, so again, going going two years in Dallas, which was great, and then right <laughs> to that, which was was great. Um, they took care of us, and, um, and it was a good staff too. Dealing with Doug Plank and Bob Cronenberg, who's still there now with the Falcons, and uh, it was just a it was a good place to be. Yeah. Um, did you find at the time that you were there that was what, what in your mind would have been it was successful as a, as a OC? Yeah, we had. Uh, I think it was pretty successful. Uh, Jim Kubiak was in his second year. He, had, I think, he had come on the year before that, so they were excited about having Jim back. And Jim and I um, got along well. And Jim, you know, he was just a just a good quarterback, and he always wanted to learn more um, and do more all the time. So you know, it was fun working with Jim. Um, and, um, yeah, it was just, we had, we had a good team. Once the first year, we, the big thing that helped us, we made a trade for Chris Jackson that year. Mm-hmm. Um, and Chris came in and, 
Um, Kubiak ended up getting hurt, but that's when Matt came in, Maggie, um, halfway through the year. And, uh, you know, we went to the arena ball. So it was, uh, 2005 was, a uh, was a fun year. So. Oh, I, I yeah, I, I'm sure. I mean, it's, it's, no matter, I guess it matter, no matter how many times you end up going to the arena bowl, it doesn't matter. I mean, again, you come away with, uh, unfortunately, a loss again. But, I mean, do, do those things – I've asked players before, I've asked coaches before, do any of these particular games stick with you through your entire history? Or, or are you the type of coach who's able to just brush it off and say, we'll go for 1-0 next time? You know what? I I mean, I can, I mean, they, they all hit you. Um, you know, whenever you lose a game, you're not, you don't feel good about it. And it's like any other game. Uh, you just, you know, you go over every single play and every call and, you know, for a while there, you, you, you know, you kind of second guess a lot of stuff you did that maybe you should have done something different. Um, but I think that's true with any coach. Um, and it hits you for a while, but I, they never really, you know, stuck with me. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about Cleveland. That one probably stuck with me a little <laughs> bit longer. Um, but, but they, you know, it was, it was a great game. They made a play at the end. Um, you know, I ended up kicking the field goal. It was a great game that year. Um, so, it, it, you know, overall it was, I think when you look back at them all, you realize, Hey, it was a pretty good year. And I would think, I would say, I don't know if you, you will agree with this, but I mean, that was probably around the height of what NBC was. It was the first ever, um, uh, neutral site game for the Arena Bowl in Las Vegas. Um, were you a at the time? Were you a proponent, or were you, or, or were you against having a neutral site championship? I kind of liked the neutral site. Um, maybe it was because I wasn't in a lot of the other games when you had them at your you know home or away. Um, but I thought it was great for the league. I think at NBC at that time. Um, you know, they're doing good, you know, a great job with our games and getting us out there. And, uh, so I think having a neutral site was, was good back then. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't really think that much about it, but I thought, you know, I thought it was good for the league. Do you find that with, uh, with, as I said, I know you're, you're owned by an NFL owner and some may look at that time of the league where there were some major changes made to the game itself, whether it had been through the Ironman change or through some of the modifications to the rules, um, did you ever have a say? Were you ever on a on a competition committee where you could say, "Well, I don't like this," or was it something where it was where you had to basically the the, the decision was made and you had to you had to zig to to get yourself make sure you had everything right, right. for the next season. Sure, I don't think I ever had. I, I had an opinion. I remember you know just being. Um, you know, obviously, when you're a head coach, you go to more of the head coaches' meetings that we had mm-hmm. back in the day. You know, every year, uh, so you'd have more of a say than assistant coaches. You know, you kind of relay that through your head coach. Um, but I, I kind of liked a lot of the changes back then. Um, I, as much as I grew up with Ironman football, and I loved Ironman football, and I think it was a huge part of the arena game and helped make the arena game. I wasn't. I did not mind the change at all okay. um, just because I think you were able to go after more players. We could actually get, you know, actual offensive linemen. We could actually get, um, you know, a DB or this type of player or that type of player. So you're able to, you know, uh, go after some different guys that, you know, you, 
not necessarily you couldn't really go after any offensive lineman right. that much at the beginning. You know, it was like, hey, get get yourself a center and then get your defensive lineman and teach them how to play offense. Um, so I think it opened up the game a little bit. I don't think it, um, you know, as a coach, I don't think it, it changed anything we did that much. I think it was fine. I think for, you know, some of the purists or whatever, it, it changed the game a little bit. Mm-hmm. But and like I said, I loved Ironman football, yeah. and I'm glad Arena Football did that. But but I did not mind the change either. Um, 2008, you get uh, your, your title back as head coach. You're going to coach for the Grand Rapids Rampage. Um, how did that uh, opportunity come to you? You know, I, I, when I left Georgia, I wasn't sure where I was going to go. And I went to the arena. Well, I think it was in New Orleans that year. And, uh, I got a call from, uh, uh, Grand Rapids and they wanted to talk to me. So I said, so I had a, uh, a talk down there in, in, uh, New Orleans when we were down there for the arena bowl and, uh, it went real well. And, when I got back, they said, Hey, you want to come on up? And I said, yeah, but I had already, I mean, I don't know if people knew it, but I had already interviewed kind of for Grand Rapids twice. Um, oh. you know, when Cortez got the job, I, I had interviewed then. And then when Sparky got the job, I kind of interviewed. So, um, you know, I was, I was really, I've always loved Grand Rapids. It was that kind of that smaller, it was kind of like an Albany to me, uh, a smaller town, but they loved arena football. I loved well, every time we went up there, it was a great place to play. Um, so I was always intrigued about coaching up there. I thought it'd be great. Um, so that's kind of what I said. I said, Hey, I've, you know, I've, I've kind of done this twice. Um, you know, if I'm a serious candidate, let's do it, but you know, just let me know. Um, and I went up there and, and again, we had a good conversation and I got the job and, and, uh, again, I've liked a lot, obviously, you know, through this conversation, I've, liked a lot of the places I've been, but I, you know, I definitely liked Grand Rapids also. Um, this year, I, I, I think it's funny. It's your first year there and you, for at least for some of the season, you have the quarterback, which basically has the same last name, um, James McPherson and Adrian McPherson. Um, (laughs) um, how do you, how do you think this team did that year? I mean, obviously the team itself, I mean, it ended up being six and 10, um, right. you know, the, the rivalries are rampant when it comes to Grand Rapids. Everybody wants to, everybody remembers the Chicago games with Grand Rapids in it. And right. it's, you know, it, it made the, I think it helped the city itself. Considering, as you said, it was like an Albany, but what were your, what were your right. thoughts on, on your head coaching stint at, uh, at Grand Rapids? Well, I tell you what, we, uh, uh um, Ron Seleski came on and, and, you know, it, kind of had a reputation in the league of finding good players. So mm-hmm. he came on and coached with me and found a lot of good players and we made a lot of changes. Um, so going at, you know, Adrian was our quarterback coming back and, and then I knew James just because he was our backup under, uh, uh, Chris Grison down in Georgia. And right. I really liked James, just his knowledge of the game and just, you know, he so I said, Hey, let's get James up here too. And, uh, you know, Adrian did a good job. I just, uh, you know, I, I ended up making a switch after I think three games and I was kind of going, man, do I do this? Do I not do this? Um, and I think it was not so much Adrian, you know, his performance, but I just really knew what James could do and what he knew. So, um, and then, Jay, and then we went to Kansas city and we scored 90 or something. So I thought, <laughs> we're okay, I think we're okay. Um, but it was, a, it was a, 
it was a tough, it was a challenging year because we changed our whole team from, from the beginning to the end. We made so many changes. And as we were going, we kept, you know, I kept telling the coaches and we'd all, you know, we're getting better. I mean, we we're getting where we want to be. We're getting guys in the spots we wanted to get to. Um, a guy like Cole Magner didn't even play the first six games. So I don't know what I was doing, not playing him. Um, and Cole came on and, uh, Chris Johnson, we got a lot of new guys, Rock Haste, and um, we just had a good we we just had a good team near the end, and we and then we just went on a roll. I think we had to win our last three to get in, and we won our last three. Yep. Um, it was one of those years where I, I think coaches and teams say it all the time. Hey, it, it, you know, you always want to be good at the end of the season. I think we all kind of say that, but this year it really happened. I mean, we got good at the end of the season. Um, and then we had our um, playoff game down in Arizona. We had to go on the road and uh, beat them in a you know great game and had a goal line stand there at the end to stop them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our playoff game against Chicago was one probably one of the highlights of coaching um, just because that team was loaded um, playing in Chicago. Uh, I don't think – any of their guys thought they were going to lose that game and it just turned out to be a great game and it was a huge upset for us. And we played, you know, we probably played our best game of the year that day. Um, so it was just a, and again, I think we, then we had to get right back in the plane and go back out. We had, I think five road games to fit. We had two road games and then two road playoff games. So then we had to go out to San Jose. And again, I think we, it was close in the first half and then we just kind of ran out of gas a little bit, but it, it was a, it was a great experience. I, I, I would have loved to stay in Grand Rapids for a long time. Yeah, you did. Yeah, uh, Last five games, you had a five-game winning streak, as you said. After that, the, the last two and then the first two of the playoffs uh, that you won were on the road. So, yeah. Is that tough as a head coach where you basically – I mean, you weren't the Houston Thunderbear nomads, that, but you were on the road for five straight games. How were you able to, to keep the team – as as tight knit was it did you take some some of that from 2001 i think a little bit i think the other thing too is we were we were on an upswing um like i said so we had we had made a lot of changes we knew we were playing better and we knew man if we can just get a win here and get it going here um this is a good team so we, we i think that had a lot to do with it um you know, as a coach, you can always say you did this, you did that. I'm not sure exactly what we did. We had a great coaching staff that was, you know, pretty upbeat all the time with mm-hmm. Seleski and Darren Kinney and I had Paul Rank. I had a lot of good guys that were always kind of upbeat, um, so which made it easier. Um, but, yeah, it was, we kind of formed that us-against-the-world mentality, um, and a lot of teams do that, but it worked for us. You know, it was, hey, um, no one wants us to win. It's us. We're going to have no fans. Um, you know, it's us against, you know, 12,000 people. And that's the mentality we took. And it, um, like I said, we were playing well. And then kind of with that mentality, um, you know, it kind of worked for us that year. Obviously, the the huge bomb dropped uh, at Arena Bowl, uh, where it was announced that the com- you know, Commissioner Baker was stepping down. And then also the whole league not coming back, et cetera, et cetera. Um, was it something that you had seen coming, Coach, or was it as uh, big a surprise to you as every as it was to everybody else? I think it was still a surprise to me. I mean, I think we knew 
um, you know, we were new, we knew there was a lot of issues, um, you know, say money issues, problems, whatever they may be with the, the team. Um, I think I knew there was a lot of teams that wanted to go one way, a lot of teams that wanted to kind of go another way. Uh, so we knew there was a lot of issues going on. Um, I think in the back of my mind, I, I was kind of thinking back to, you know, 1999, like, Hey, we'll get it straightened out. Mm-hmm. Even though there's a lot of stuff going on here, we'll still get this thing straightened out and play. Um, and then it just, you know, then it just kind of hit quick and it was over. Um, so it, that one was tough just because, like I said, we, you know, the co- we all love being in Grand Rapids. They treated us great. Yeah. Um, and we were ready to come back and have a great year. Um, you know, we, I think we had already done a lot of our signings for the next year and we had, you know, most of the team coming back. So we were excited getting ready for the next year. And I think I did a tryout the day before. Oh boy. <laughs> so I think I did an open tryout and then the next day uh, we, we got the news. So, um, yeah, it was kind of tough. So. Um, in, in your opinion, coach, and I don't know if you're a union guy or not, so I'm just asking in general, but, um, obviously at the time you, there were contracts where some players were making upwards of six figures a season. Uh, in your opinion, do you think, what do you think was the cause? Was it a, a combination of the six figures? And I think it was like a, a $3 million, um, uh, salary cap at that time. Or was it uh, an ownership thing? Was it, uh, was it a cause of the players association? In your opinion, what do you think was the cause of the league folding in 08? Um, you know, I'm not exactly, I mean, I'm not trying to take the easy way out here. I knew there was, I think it's a common, it was a combination. Definitely. Um, the salaries were probably getting a little bit too high to handle, um, that type of, um, money that was coming in. I know the owners, uh, quite a few of the owners, there weren't that many teams that made much money. Mm -hmm. Um, so there was, there was definitely money situations, um, you know, and it's hard, you know, I, I don't blame players. I don't, you know, they were, you know, they were getting what they could get. I, I really, um, I, I think it was just a lot of issues that came to a head, um, where there just was, you know, a little bit too much money and, and too many teams were, were not making money at that time. And I think everyone, everyone kind of knew the structure had to change. I just don't think everyone could agree and the exact way to make that change. Okay. The Arena Football Hall of Fame has returned, and we want you to become a part of the family. Introducing the Arena Football Hall of Fame Patreon. Whether an all-star or a Hall of Famer, our reasonably priced tiers each have their own exclusive perks. Early access to the AFL Rewind podcast, honorary selection committee member, and much more. Help us build a Hall of Fame we'll all be proud of. Head to patreon.com slash AF Hall of Fame to join. Um, at that point, did you ever think that you were going to be coaching in arena football again? I wasn't sure. Um, you know, I really didn't, didn't know where I was going to go at that time. Um, and like I said, Grand Rapids treated us pretty well. I think they kept most of our staff on you know, and paying us a little bit longer than maybe some of the other teams did. And, yeah. Um, but then we were all unemployed there for a while. So I started looking into, you know, I was looking into college jobs, high school jobs. I was starting to look everywhere, looking back to basketball jobs. 
um, cause I really didn't know, you know, if it was ever going to come back. So that whole kind of summer and fall, I was, I was looking to, to see what else I could do. Did you actually hear when commissioner Kurz was, was going to make the announcement that the league was coming back? Um, I, I don't remember exactly, you know, when it happened or, um, I just remember the league coming back and then, um, but then I do remember that certain teams weren't going to play and certain teams were going to play. They right. didn't like, some teams didn't like the model. Some teams did like the model. Um, so, you know, at that time I was, you know, Grand Rapids, I think was on, you know, um, I'm not saying right or wrong or anything. They were just on the other side that, that didn't think they were going to play with that new model. And, um, so then I started wondering, okay. So once I found that out, then I started, I think I called, Jerry or called the league just saying, Hey, I don't know what's going on, but you know, let me know if any teams are looking for coaches or have interest or, or that type of thing. Um, in, in, from what you saw with the changeover, cause I mean, I said, you've been at the, in the league since the days where players were not getting paid that much. And now this was very similar, you know, was going to be similar to what the AF2 model was, which was very similar to what the original AFL was like. Did you, when you came back and and you came in for the for the Cleveland job, did you did you think it was gonna hinder you in any way in being able to get players to come and play for you? Being at the that the pay scale was so low, right? Not really. Um, and the reason I say this is I, I've said this for thirty years. I think you, you know I, I I think I could start a I could start in a, a football league tomorrow and you know call it the Steve Tun Football League, and mm-hmm. there's plenty of football players out there, yeah. and, and it's not. I don't mean it that way. I just mean it that there is, there's so many foot, you know, all you have is the NFL basically. So there are so many good football players that have played D one, D two, D three that are out there not playing. Um, so even if the, with the money goes away, you know, you think all those years back at the AF two, I mean, there was a, I mean, we were scouting that AF two when we were AF one, like crazy mm-hmm. because we knew how many great players were in that AF two that we all wanted to get on our team. Um, so I thought, I didn't think there'd be a problem, you know, knowing the money was going, obviously wasn't going to be nowhere near what it was in 2008, but I didn't think there'd be the really, you're going to get some guys that have just said, Hey, you know, I'm not going to keep playing. I've, you know, I've done enough. Um, but I also knew that there'd be plenty of guys that wanted to keep playing football and there'd be plenty of, of new players that, that wanted to keep, that wanted to start playing arena football. So um, it wasn't really a big worry going into it that the league wasn't going to have quality players. Right. Um, maybe not quite as good as 2008, obviously, um, but there was going to be a lot of very, very good players still playing. How uh, how quickly were, did you get the call from Jerry to say, or from from Cleveland to say, uh, do you want to be our head coach? We were we were really late. Um, I got a call from Bernie Kosar and. Uh, I went out and met with Bernie in December of 2009. Well, okay. <laughs> and, uh, so we were, you know, and, and I, Bernie, I love, I love the guy. He's one of the greatest guys I've ever met. Um, and we had, um, great conversations and I did, but I didn't know which way they were going. I mean, you know, and then I got a call, you know, I think five days later or something like that. And he said, Hey, uh, you know, I want you to be the head coach. So, um, so we were late getting going again. I, I called Ron Seleski just because, 
personnel wise and coaching wise. And, and, uh, we, we put our team together in January and February. Um, so we had two months to, to basically sign, you know, 30 some guys to bring to training camp. Right. You know? So we had to do it. We had to do it pretty quick before we started up there in March. And, and you did have a pretty good quarterback. I mean, you were, I think you were, were you lucky to be able to get John Dutton that year? Well, we, we did. And, and I hadn't, um, you know, I hadn't even thought about John. I, I was going after, you know, I, I wanted James to keep playing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I was trying to get James to play and he had kind of gone and decided to go another route. And then we, uh, um, I'm trying to think of his name right now. I'm drawing a blank now. He's the head coach at, uh, Akron. Um, but we, he was our backup for James. Okay. And he's an Ohio kid, so I'm going, oh, this is great. If we can't get James, I'm sure we can we can get him. And uh, he had already gotten into his college coaching career, so he didn't want to play. So then John, John Dutton called us out of the blue. And uh, he just said, uh, hey, I'm interested in playing. And I remember uh, Ron calling me like, he goes, well, here, let me hang up on you. I want to call Steve. So, um <laughs> So he called out and said, you're not going to believe us, but Dutton wants to play. And, um, you know, so I said, yeah, I said, sign him immediately. Let's go. Um, and then we got Ben Nelson. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had Chris Johnson and, and, uh, Brent Holmes were two receivers. I had, you know, I had knew before that. So we put a pretty good team together pretty quick. Um, and then Ron just found, you know, a lot of guys that wanted to play and we brought in the training camps. So. Did did you find it now? Obviously, you've gone through those smaller cities. Did you did you find it? It was almost like an old hat being able to play in these older, these smaller cities, like you like you did this year. I mean, you're you're going to a Tulsa, you're going to uh, Spokane, we, we, even though you know they're a lot like Albany and as Grand Rapids, it's just monster fans there. How was your first reaction to these newer cities that you've never that you'd never gone to before? Um. It's like you said, it was a great, I love going there. Um, and it did remind you of the Albany's and, and that type of thing in the original arena football, you know, kind of cities and the excitement, um, you know, and they had the advantage on us. We were, we were only the, we were one of the only teams that year that had to put a team together. Everyone else already had their team yeah. because they either came from AF2 or they came from AF1 and they already had their teams. Um, so, you know, everyone thought, hey, you can go play an Arena 2 team. Well, no, these Arena 2 teams are not only are they good, they're well-coached, and these guys know what they're doing, and they have great fan support. So it was tough just uh, um, going into those those cities just because, you know, those were very good Arena 2 teams and cities that where the fans loved it. So it was, it was tough to play. Yeah. Um, I think when everybody looks at your – career head coaching career they'll, they'll they'll look at cleveland because considering i think it's where you had the most of your head coaching success um you did well in, in 2010 i mean it went seven and nine ten and eight in 2011 um 2012 was an interesting season which i want to ask you about um it, it seems that you know you being in the league for such as long as you had you always seem to be coming up against either an issue when it came to the league folding or it came up to something to do with uh, a collective bargaining agreement. 2012 was a very interesting season. Um, 
what was it like that year having to go up against, first of all, the threat at the beginning of the season that there may not be not be a season because there was no CBA. And then what you had to end up going through in June in Pittsburgh, where a win for you guys, in my opinion, and I've gone back on record to say this, I think that that forfeit cost you a playoff spot. Um, and again, you know, I've, I've, I've kind of used this word a lot here with, you know, it was a tough season, but it was, it was different. Um, everything was on hold a little bit at the beginning when we were signing players, just because of the uncertainty. Um, I think we had a lot of players kind of on hold waiting. Should we sign them? Should we not sign them? Or, you know, when's the league going to let us sign all that kind of stuff at the beginning. Um, and it was, it was a change for us because, um, we we didn't know Kurt Rocco took over for John got hurt in 2011 and Kurt took over in 2012. Yeah. Um, and Kurt had a good year and we knew he was kind of an up and coming quarterback. Um, so we didn't, you know, and then John said he wanted to come back in 2012. So it was, it was kind of a tough situation on that. Like, which way should we go with this? Um, so going into that year, there was just a lot of, I remember a lot of, you know, harder decisions that we had to make was, you know, some other people not playing. We had to bring in some new people that we, we had had the first two years. So, um, again, that was, that was different. Um, and then once we got into it, we realized, you know, obviously, um, with the union and everything else, everything had changed quite a bit. You know, I think the first game, was it Pittsburgh and Orlando or? Yeah, it was. Yeah. The, what, what people have been dubbing the, uh, uh, the Olive Garden game. <laughs> yeah, the Olive Garden game. Um, so we were on the road, so we, we were down, I think, in Georgia. There was so much uncertainty at the beginning of the year on, you know, are we even going to play these games mm-hmm. and that type of thing. Um, and then we and then we did get, get going, and we had a pretty good team again. Um, and what I didn't know which, you know, it's hard for me. What I didn't know is we were, we were obviously a pretty big union team, not that other teams weren't, right. but we had some very guys that were very into it, you know, again, not right or wrong, but guys were into it, very kind of vocal, talked with the union guys a lot. Um, so as, as it was going on, you can kind of tell that, um, you know, something might be happening here with our team. Right. Um, just kind of with the feel of it. Um, and like you said, the, the game that we, and I totally agree with you. I think if we would have won that game, we, because we had to forfeit that game that, you know, we didn't make the playoffs that year. Um, because it really put our team, I mean, it divided our team so much too, after that. Um, cause we had about, you know, we had nine or 10 guys show up wanting to play that night, but you know, we couldn't, we couldn't even, field enough players um to play uh so you know the next two weeks you're doing damage control just trying to get everyone back on the same page because there was so much division um so it was tough i mean it was it was a hard year i wasn't expecting it i wasn't i knew something was up we were uh we all stayed at a um extended stay um so right when i was getting ready to go to the arena um 
they were the union guys and all my guys were in a big room at the extended stay. So I knew something was going on. I yeah. did not think we were not going to play that night. Um, but I knew something was happening just because we were, like I said, a lot of our guys were pretty big in the union. So, um, and then I, I went down to the arena in Cleveland and when I got down there, that's when I realized that's when I was told when I got there that our guys weren't going to play. Um, like I said, about seven or eight guys showed up wanting to play, uh, but they had already made the decision. Um, was the, was the commissioner there to, to, to deal with the situation? Obviously the, the players association was there, their, you know, their executive was there, but how were you able to, how, how, yeah, what's one thing that was, you remember I specifically about was, that night? Yeah, I don't think he was there. Um, I'm trying to think who all was, who was there, um, at our game that night. I, I don't know if anybody's there because I know there was a lot of communication going back and forth on the phones, um, about what's going to be done and what's not going to be done, and right? This and that. And we were, we were literally trying to call all our players and get them to come down to the arena. Um, and they just, you know, we just couldn't get enough guys to form a team that night. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't think maybe Joe was there, Klein Smith from the league. I'm not sure if Joe okay. was there that night, but um, but yeah, it was just uh, it was an awful situation, and I had to stay there and be there. Their team had to their team actually had to come out and do warm ups and be on the field. So Pittsburgh actually came out on the field, um, which was tough just to see those guys out there. So yeah, for sure. Um, what wasn't a good situation. No. Um, in 2013, you ended up going four and 14. I mean, anything in particular that really stands up for you about that 2013 season on why, why only four wins? Yeah, we just, again, I think we made a lot of changes. We, uh, quarterback wise, Chris Deaker kind of took over for us that year. We started playing Chris a lot. Um, so is you know, quarterback was not a lot of experience, but Chris did a good job, showed some promise that, you know, he could be a good quarterback. And, um, again, I think we had some real close games that year. I'm not quite sure, but it was, um, yeah, it was one of those years that was just more of a, um, it was a disappointing year. Um, you know, no excuses, that type of thing. It was just, uh, you know, not, not where we wanted to be that year. So I don't know if it was some, from the year before or not. Um, but it, it definitely, you know, a lot of guys had left us that were there. Um, so again, it was kind of more of a new team that year. Right. And, uh, we just, we just weren't as good. 2014. Uh, what a turnaround. Um, 17 and one on the season. You guys, I think a lot of it. Remember, I remember a lot from that season. I think you guys were nicknamed the cardiac kids by, by, how many, you know, how you guys won some of your games. Um, I think there was the, uh, the off the net for a win in Spokane. Um, there was, um, there were quite a few, uh, oh yeah. The thing for at Philadelphia, that last second win at Philly. Um, tell me about that season coach. I mean, it's (laughs) you, one of the most dominant teams in arena football league history. To go seventeen and one, yeah. and I will get to the obviously to get to the arena ball right. afterwards. But tell us about this team because I think anybody who knows the league 
as well as I do, remembers how good this team actually was. Right. Um, hands down, the best season I've ever had coaching in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as fun as that Grand Rapids was at the end, we did that for 18 weeks. Um, it was just that every single game, um, you know, we won six games that year. Well, let, let's go back a little bit. We sure. had a, uh, um, going into that year, uh, I mean, I wasn't even sure if I was coming back. Um, I was still kind of waiting on my contract, so I was kind of waiting. Man, I might be replaced here. I think they were they were looking um, at other coaches. So I didn't even get a contract till February, I think. And uh, we basically we knew we had signed a lot of good players. Um, so we we know, hey, thirteen was bad, but we signed a lot of good players. Um, you know, it's be different. I think the I think we knew it was going to be a little bit different. Philly Philly came to our place for a scrimmage. And we had got a brand new practice facility, unbelievable facility. Mm-hmm. So everything was changing in 14. We went from a, uh, not a real nice soccer place to this beautiful facility. Uh, there's no other way to explain it. And so we had that Philly comes for a scrimmage and, you know, for three years, Philly kind of took it to us. Um, and even though it was a scrimmage, for the first time, I felt like we got the best of Philly. Um, and like I said, there's no trophies for winning a scrimmage, but it was one of those things where our guys kind of didn't back down. Right. Um, you, you know, it's just one of those good things you came out of the scrimmage going, I feel pretty good about it. Then we go to Pittsburgh for the first game. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of people have said it, but I think our assistant coach said it, hey, you know, we kind of started the 1-0 and mantra that year hey let's just win one game and not worry about anything else and and uh they had tommy grady they had a good team and 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 we played a a good game our defense played well chris deaker at quarterback played well um he ran for like four touchdowns just gritty tough runs so anyways that's a great way to start the year then we go down to new orleans and we can't do anything right right um we can't score we can't get a first down that and then so I decided to make a change at halftime with Shane, put Shane in and, uh, Shane led us like five possessions, five touchdowns, and we won the game. Um, so now, you know, I created kind of a, I got another problem here just because, but Shane had had a great training camp and we all knew Shane had a great training camp. I mean, he was on, um, you know, if we probably charted, he might've had a better training camp than Chris, but Chris was the guy coming back and wanted to be loyal to him, that type of thing. So, so next time I made Chris the starter again and, and we didn't play real good at the beginning. So I put Shane in and we won that game. I think it was Iowa maybe. Um, but so then that kind of started us, but, but that's how we got started. And then everything just, we won six games on the last play, which is unheard of. I, know. And, <laughs> I mean, we, like you said, we threw it off the net in Spokane. Um, and we do practice it quite a bit. Um, Cause the ball always comes off to the right. If you throw it right. So we told, Hey, um, you guys go there and one receiver go to the right and T. Lou went to the right and it kind of came off at an angle. But again, even though we talk about it, doesn't mean it's going to happen. But, but so the guys went nuts when, when in Spokane, then we won three games on field goals. Um, Philly had us down by 17, what, 52 seconds ago and we scored three. We scored. Got the onside kick, scored, got the next onside kick, and went down, scored on the last play, and beat them. Um, 
then we beat Philly on a Hail Mary. Um, so it was just, I mean, it was one of those years that, you know, and then when you're winning, you're having so much fun. Um, you can't do anything wrong. Practices were fun. Everything was fun. Um, so, but I give the guys credit. I mean, they did, um, you know, they were never really satisfied. I think the biggest thing is I tell people it's probably one of the greatest sports seasons ever. And the only reason I say that is that, you know, we were picked to finish close to last that year yeah. uh, in the arena league. It's not like we were, I don't know how many teams there were, 14, 16. I don't even know how many there were in 14, but we were probably picked in the bottom three. Um, so to go from the bottom three preseason pick to going 17 and one um, is pretty amazing. Um, so it was just a unbelievable year. Um, you know, and then the playoffs beating Philly on the field goal and then Orlando coming. And that was just a kind of tough, mean, you know, kind of nasty game. And we pulled that one out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was, um, yeah, it was great all the way till that last game, which yeah. you probably want to talk about yeah. now. I want to ask you one thing though, um, with, with you guys, you started off nine and zero, and then you lost at Pittsburgh as a head coach, obviously you, you I said the one and oh mantra, but I obviously, I'm sure you would wanted to have the, had the perfect season, but do you think losing at that time was the right time for your team to lose? So you had enough games to correct everything that may have occurred and to finish the rest of the season. Cause I mean, it was, it was basically right at mid season where you lost at Pittsburgh. Right. Yeah. I think, it, I think you're right. I mean, there's never, you know, you never want to lose a game, but it was a, um, you know, we made some bad mistakes that night. They played pretty well. And it was just one of those games where, um, you know, it kind of brought us back down to earth. And I think that's what we all talked about in the locker room right away yeah. is that, okay, we're, it doesn't matter if we're nine and zero. you know, if we don't play together, we don't play the way we're supposed to, we're not that good. Um, so, you know, we, and we, we kind of kept the one and all mantra. We said, and I told the guys, I remember in the locker room, I said, Hey, if we're going one and oh on wins, then let's just go one and oh next week and not worry about this week. So right. we kind of tried to keep that same thing. Like, okay, you know, we blew it tonight, but let's get right back on track here. Yeah. And again, it's easy to say those things, but I think our guys did, um, our guys did a real good job, I think, in believing in that. And we had some good leaders and stuff like that, that kind of, um, we did practice hard. I mean, as much fun as we had, I, I remember that group always, always coming to practice and practicing pretty hard. And the fans were behind you quite a bit. I mean, it was that the year that the yes, yes, yes chant started. I can't remember if that was the yeah, year. Yeah. So yeah, and, that, and our, our old line kind of got into it with the yes, yes, yes. And, um, you know, our fans got into it. Mm-hmm. I think after that, that Philly game when we scored, you know, three times in 50 seconds or whatever. Um, but the yes, yes, yes was, was, yeah, that was, that was, that was pretty big. So. <laughs> um, first time that you've gone to an arena bowl as a head coach, uh, what was, what were you trying to tell your, your team going into this game? I mean, obviously Arizona is, it was a juggernaut in the league this year. You, but you guys were, you know, you guys were there. I mean, you were 17 and one. You you were hosting the Arena Bowl. What we, right. what, what, what do you remember trying to tell your team about right. this game itself? I think the I think the biggest thing that hurt us um, was having to take a week off okay. um, or two weeks to the Arena Bowl. That's I true. think it was one of those years where we needed to keep playing. Yeah. 
Um, having two weeks was not going to help us any prepare anymore, that type of thing. So I think that having two weeks to get kind of ready did not help our team at all. We had, I think we had four or five guys and we, you know, back then with the rules, you technically, you know, don't pay guys that week. Right. Um, so we had a hard time keeping our guys in town because technically with the rules, the way they were, we couldn't, um, I had five guys go home and start jobs. So here we are winning the semifinal game against Orlando and I have a meeting, you know, on Monday or whatever, uh, Sunday, I can't remember exactly what day it was. And, you know, I got five guys leaving that four of them, I think went and started coaching jobs and another guy had to start another teaching job or whatever. And I think I had a couple other guys that, that left just to go do some work. So it really hurt us because, you know, you can say all you want. Hey, that's fine. Make sure you guys work out. Be ready to go. See you all next Sunday when you come back. Um, but I think that really hurt our team not being able to just keep playing. Yeah. Um, and again, I don't, it, you know, I'll get to that. I'm not going to make excuses, but that, that did not definitely did not help us. Um, and then when we got back, it's, I think a lot of their, our, their focus wasn't there. The one to know everything just wasn't there as much. Um, just because we weren't together for a week right. where we had already been together for so many weeks. And then we got back and we, we, you know, we had a couple decent practices and then, you know, Arizona comes down and then we have all the banquets and the, mm -hmm. the TV stuff and the, you know, so we never really, I think if I had to do it over again, I would have been a little harder on, but you know, it's not my mentality and it's just not the way I am. Um, you know, and everything, everything had gone so good over the year. So why change anything now? Right. Um, but I think if I had to do it over again, I probably would have, you know, had all of us just get, you know, make it tougher practices, a little tougher and harder just so we got back into it more. Um, you know, got maybe a little bit more uncomfortable, uncomfortable where we had to fight through some stuff. So, so that, that, that's that part, that part of it going into that game that I, you know, I think that hurt us and I would have changed it a little bit. How, what were you trying to, what were you telling your team at halftime? I mean, Arizona just dropped 30 on you, which is in, in arena football that to drop 30 in one quarter is extremely rare. What, yeah. what, what were you telling your team at halftime? I mean, it's, yes, there's still, still a half to go. Yes, you're down. But as we've seen in arena football, anything can happen. Right. Um, you know, nothing went right for us. I mean, they came down, they scored. I think we went down. We had two chances to score. Um, I think uh, Goody, Goody was open on, and we missed him and Tilu. We had two chances to score early in the game to keep it close, and we missed both opportunities. Mm -hmm. And um, and then we threw that interception after we missed the opportunity, and, and it got out of hand so quick there in the first half that, um, you know, we were down so much and nothing had gone right. And at that time, you know, we're all mad. We're all we're all kind of in shock a little bit that, yeah. you know, this is going on. Um, so in the locker room, the, really the only thing I, I said, I think we got the ball coming out and I said, guys, this is so, there's no other way to look at this than 
we can't think about, don't think about the first half. Don't think about anything but the first possession out here. I said, it is arena football. It's like you were just saying, Tim, it is arena football. Things can change in a second. We've had games where we've scored 21 points in, in a quarter or yeah. 28 points in a quarter. Everything can change real quick. Um, but let's come out here. Let's score. And if we can get a couple breaks, then I said, we just got to build on it and don't let up. And it just, it just didn't happen. I, I don't think we scored when we came out and then it got out of hand again. And, and, you know, it was over. Um, the game, the game to me was frustrating because it was such a blur. And as a coach, you know, it's like I told you, I look back, you look back on, I should have called this. I should have, I mean, yeah. you know, I didn't, obviously I didn't sleep that night. I don't think I even fell asleep till the next night. So just thinking about every single thing that happened in the game, you know, and then I went and watched film right away just to watch the film. And it's just, it's just one of those things where, you know, you look back on it, they played great. They were a good team. They deserved to win all that stuff. Um, would I change some things going into it? Yeah. Um, would it have made a difference? Yeah, I think it would have made a difference. I think we could have played a lot better game. Would we have beaten them? I don't know. They, I mean, they played so well that night, but, um, but it was frustrating. So are you, have you at all since then gone back and I think that game is on YouTube also, have you actually gone back to watch the game or is it one of those games where you don't want, ever want to watch it again? Not like the showcase game where you had a reason to watch it again. But is have you ever watched I, you this know, game I again? Watched it, yeah, I watched it again a couple of years later. Um, you know, I watched it. Like I said, I watched it right away the next day, and then um, tried to forget about it, which was really tough. Just because, yeah, I mean, you know, it was such a beating that you can't, you know, you, you can't really explain it. So yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, I went back, watched it, and it was kind of the same thing. I realized there was a couple spots we could have kept it close. And I think if we could have kept it close, you know, it's like any, any sport, you know, the game would have been a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, who knows? I mean, they, like I said, they, <laughs> they, they beat us, you know, pretty good. So, you know, I don't want to take anything away from them. Right. Right. Um, but definitely we, we, we could have and should have played a better game. So well, let's end the year on a, on a happy note here. Uh, your main coaching squad swept the awards that year. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, Coach Seleski got to the assistant coach of the year, and you yourself won the what is now called the the Markham Moss uh, Head Coach of the Year Award. Um, obviously, you have the game in mind when you're, as I said, even though they are doing the awards ceremony. But were you? Is that something that you were able to cherish when you were officially announced as the head coach of the year? Yeah, it really was, and I, it, you know, it was the was it the night before we had the the banquet, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, the night before the game. And, and it's like I said, I've told people this, I think the, no matter what the sport head coach of the year is the biggest, um, team award disguised as an individual award. There okay. is, um, you know, it really is. I mean, yeah, we had a great year and, you know, I get credit for coach of the year and that type of thing. But, um, you know, the coaches I had were, were great that year. The players were great. I mean, it's, it's the whole thing. The organization was great to us. So, um, like I said, I, I mean, it's great to have it in the, in the, you know, I played for Perry Moss. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I got into the league and <laughs> Perry was great. Um, scared me to death. I thought he was going to cut me all the time, but, <laughs> but I loved him. 
Um, and Markham obviously was, you know, you know, arguably the best coach ever in arena. So, um, so, you know, kind of get knowing that those two guys, that the name of the award is after those two, yeah. um, you know, it is pretty exciting that, that, you know, I was able to get it just knowing who they were. So, um, so that means something, but, but again, it's a, it's, it's a team award more than a, than an I award. So. Do you still have the, uh, what did they give out the year? Plaque or did they give out a trophy? I don't remember what they gave out that year. Um, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of a glass kind of plaque. Yeah. Where, where, where do you, where do you have that? Um, it's, it's, it was up like in a den, but since we don't go to our den to get on our computers anymore, I'm not sure where it is right now. Uh, since we just sit at our kitchen table. Um, but yeah, it was pretty cool when we all went to a den, but now yeah, I think it's sit back on a shelf. So in a room that we, none of us go to. So what, um, for 15 and 16, how'd you get, how, in your opinion, how'd you go from a 17 win team, win team, in 2014 to a eight win team in 2015 and a seven win team in, in 2016. Um, I think it's just that the league is good and there's good coaches and there's good players. I mean, everything went right from it. You know, it's not like we got that bad. Right. Um, like I said, we, you know, we won six games on the last play and won a couple other close games that year. So everything went right for us. I still think we had a pretty good team. Um, you know, those next years. Um, but things change in arena, you know, you lose players, you get new players all the time. And, um, I think it was pretty good that we still went to the, (laughs) we still went to the, uh, playoffs each of those years. And again, you know, so we still, you know, it's not like we, we still had a chance, um, to do well. Uh, Philly got us the one year in Arizona, you know, took it to us again the next year, but, um, you know, it was it was good. I still think we had good years those years. It was just one of those things where we just weren't we weren't on fire um, like we were. You know, back in fourteen. Was your was that probably one of the reasons why you? I guess we could say left or was let go from the Gladiators at the end of sixteen. Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm not exact. I mean, I appreciate again. They, you know, I was there for seven years. So, um, in coaching, that's, that's, that's pretty good at times. So, um, you know, I think they, uh, wanted to go a new direction and Ron, you know, Ron had been there with me all those years. Mm-hmm. Um, so never really a big explanation. We, you know, we just kind of talked and, um, they kind of thanked me for everything and they're moving in a new direction. Um, that was it. So I, you know, obviously as a coach, you, you, I would have liked to keep going yeah. um, just because I thought we were still pretty good. We still went to um, semifinals and, you know, with all the stuff that's kind of going on in the league with other teams, I thought, you know, we we're still doing a pretty good job and wanted to keep going, but it just, uh, just didn't work out. Um, How did you, how'd you end up getting uh, attached with the, the Washington Valor? Uh, they had actually called me about some of the, some players. Um, so they wanted to know a lot of guys were free agents from the Cleveland team. So they were, they were calling asking about some guys. So I was talking to them and then I just, we started talking a little bit more, um, just about what they're doing with their coaching staff and that type of thing. And, and coach Joaquinas wasn't sure because he was an offense coordinator. 
and head coach. So, um, you know, wasn't quite sure at that time if he was going to get another coach or do it or, or whatever, or, um, coach defense or, you know, wasn't sure. And then it just, uh, few more conversations they said they were looking for an offense coordinator so that's when i went to dc okay um was because i i can only i only saw dc as a fan and as a you know media guy who covered the team was was the team because we we watched how over the years dc was just not able to score in the third quarter throughout their history uh, at least until up until they won the uh, year after the arena bowl um was this team a, a good three-win team that year? I mean, yes, it was in their expansion club. I, I understand that. Um, but why? how did this team – why was this team so bad? I think the biggest thing was, you, you know, you had – and again, no right or wrong. You just had a <laughs> – you know, they brought me in and I, you know um, – you know, I had done things differently, called plays differently. Um, they had done things their way. A lot of the guys that were on their staff, I think we brought in a lot of players that, um, you know, like an Eric Meyer who had done obviously things different mm-hmm. in San Jose. And mm-hmm. just, there was just a lot of, I think there was a lot of good players. Um, but I just, you know, the short time that I was there, just, you know, a combination of a little bit of everything, we just, we just hadn't put it together yet. Um, right. you know, and then I know Eric got hurt after I had left. Eric got hurt a little bit after that. And then there, you know, you're going through quarterback changes. So, um, I think it was one of those teams where <laughs> you knew there's a lot of talent there. And once they did get it together, um, that it, you know, it could be a pretty good team and they ended up, you know, getting there in the next year. Um, you know, and Arvell did a great job when he came in. Yeah. Um, kind of solidifying the quarterback spot, which is what they needed, you know, at that time. So, um, but again, I think it was just one of those things with a little bit more time. Um, you know, you, you kind of knew things were were going to get better there. Did you feel that you were let go from? Because I, I think I'm, everybody remembers this. That, in, in my opinion, it seemed to be as there wasn't much there wasn't much fanfare on you leaving. And it just seemed that this Washington team was doing things just a little bit different than other teams would when it came to promoting their team, good or bad. That makes sense. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, it was just a, for me. It was just a totally. You know, I had been in Cleveland there for seven years doing. You know, it's not. You know, doing things my way. I don't mean. You know, in a bad sense but um you know so it was just different for me too it was different for me to go in there and adapt to a different style um and like i said with with different coaches and different players and um it was just one of those things that just wasn't you know it just wasn't working um and you can kind of you kind of tell it just wasn't wasn't working so right um but yeah okay um why after the 2017 season um why did you decide not to why did you decide to call it a career um never really decided to call it a career okay um <laughs> no i didn't really <laughs> didn't really get a call from anybody i think some people thought i was done um that's what some people told me later was that that you know hey you know word was you're kind of done i had 
I had helped out at a high school here from 2013 on. So I was helping football here. And then uh, 2015, they asked me to help out in basketball. Right. And I think they just wanted an old guy sitting on the bench. So I said, sure, I'll help out in basketball. They they let go of that guy in 2017 and named me the interim coach. Um, so they kind of named me the interim coach right before I went to D.C. too, um, right about that time. Um, so, um, you know, I was just kind of waiting to see what happened in the arena. And I, in 2018, I really just didn't get much feedback. I, you know, I don't know how much I was searching. Um, you know, I was busy doing the football and basketball here and doing summer, but, you know, I was all of a sudden, you know, doing a lot of coaching at the high school. Um, but I never really looked to leave arena. I mean, it's, once you got arena, it's in your blood. Oh, you're yeah, just, yeah. you're a lifer. I mean, fans are the same way and coaches and players. I mean, it's just that, it's just that league. It's just, you know, it pulls us in. So, um, so, but, but in 2019, I was talking to more coaches and then I was talking to people in the front office just saying, Hey, if, um, you know, if you hear anything, I do want to get back in. And so I started talking with more people in 2019 and then, you know, obviously, um, nothing happened here with, with, with COVID and everything. So, right. um, so I'm still looking, I mean, I would love to, you know, if arena came back, I would always love to get back in it and coach again. Um, I just think it's the greatest sport around. I mean, I always have said that and I think it's, uh, um, exciting. It's, it's football. It's, I think it's better football for 30 years than if you weren't involved, you didn't know how good it was. Right. Um, so, but I would love to get back in it. Um, I've, t- I've looked into the other, you know, indoor leagues mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, and I know the NAL plays more of the arena game. Um, so that would be, you know, you know, kind of intriguing that way, but I would love to get back in. Um, and hopefully I'm not sure where the league is, or I really haven't kept that close a contact, but, um, you know, if it got started again, I would definitely like to get back in. Um, in your opinion, coach, cause obviously with the, the league folding in 2019, there were, you know, different reasons why it occurred. Um, even though that I think that it was probably one of the better, um, uh, head offices that we've had in a while. We had a commissioner who was, which seemed to be uh, very open and transparent. Um, in your opinion, when you heard the league had folded, which could possibly for the very last time, what? In your opinion, what do you think was the cause this time around that the league folded? You know, I'm I'm really I'm really not sure. Just because I was kind of disconnected at that time, right? Um, and I wasn't talking, um, you know, to that many people. You know, I've, I obviously there's coaches I keep talking mm-hmm. to quite a bit, and um, just because you know we've known each other for so long, and um, but I really I, I really don't even can't give you an opinion just because I wasn't that close to the situation. Um, so I, I, I'm not sure. I, I really don't know exactly why the league uh, folded this time, but, um, and I've heard a lot of rumors on yeah. that it could come back or who owns more of the league or what was sold or, you know, I've heard a lot of rumors, but I don't even know about that for sure. So um, I would just love for the league to come back again. I mean, it's, it's come back so many times and, and it's the greatest, like I said, it, it fits, it still fits. Mm-hmm. Um, it's needed out there, uh, the AFL. So it fits a, 
fits a time schedule and in, in the year that you know football is needed and it's such a great game. Uh, it's hard to believe that. And again, I know there's other indoor leagues, but but arena football needs to be one of them. Uh, um, before we finish up, I want to ask you so hopefully we some some fun questions about yourself and your and your history in the AFL, Coach. If you were able to tell us one player that really stands out to you the most that you have coached throughout your career, who would it be and why? Jeez. Oh, um, <laughs> putting me on the spot. Uh, probably Clint. Yeah. Um, just because I, I think Clint, um, Clint kind of grew up in the early stages of the game when it was changing mm-hmm. and, you know, became such a good quarterback and, and a good coach, obviously. Um, but just the way he played the game and how we, um, you know, Clint and I kind of learned, you know, I was an OC, he was a starting quarterback. So we kind of learned a lot of stuff together. Um, and I had no problem if he came over and said, I want to run this player. I said, go ahead. Um, sounds good to me. So it, you know, we kind of did a lot of stuff together and just how much he, um, just kind of how much he grew in the game, the competitor he was, um, like I said, he, he didn't want to lose anything. We used to, I used to quit practice early in Houston because we had a tea time um, every Thursday, and it was Mike Hold who was our back quarterback, our backup quarterback, and Mike was a real good golfer, like high seventies. He had Clint who was high seventies, and then he had Gary Gusman who was coaching with me and me, uh, who were both around the same. Um, if we were shooting good, we were low, so we would. We go out every Thursday, and we had it was me and uh, me and Clint against the other two. But we had the best rounds of golf ever, just because basically because all those guys wanted to compete so much. So, um, but yeah, probably Clint just to come up with one right off the bat. Um, worst city to go to as an opponent. <laughs> um, the worst city or the hardest place to play? Whichever you want to use. Um, trying to think, uh, Orlando back in the day was always tough to play. Mm -hmm. Um, just because, you know, it was so loud in there and, you know, they were good. So it was always, Orlando was really tough there in the nineties to play. Iowa was tough to play at back in the heyday, just because their fans were so crazy and they, I mean, you'd have a kid and a mom yelling at you just as much as a dad, um, <laughs> you know, and hitting you with corn stalks and, you know, that was a tough place to play. Yeah, the old barn, and I love, yeah, yeah. I love playing in those places. I mean, we had a blast. We had some great games, but they were, um, from a city, you know, those were really tough places to play. And was, there were other ones too, but those were, just because of the the way they were set up made it tough. Um, I was going to say wait, your favorite city, but I will say uh, the one uh, of all the teams that you're with, the best fans. The best fans. Yeah. Um, wow. That's tough. Um, I really got to like our Cleveland fans mm-hmm. just because I was there for so long and I got to know them. Um, and they're such there was such a diehard group 
that loved arena football um, that I really didn't know the first couple of years. And the more I was there, I got to know them so well. So, I mean, I loved those Cleveland fans um, because of that. Yeah. I think the Grand Rapids fans, they just had a huge, you know, the whole, it, it, you know, it was kind of like an Albany. Everyone came mm-hmm. um, and it was a smaller community. So you just felt like you were more of the, you, you felt like you were more of with all 8,000 of them. Right. Um, you know, they're all kind of with you. So, um, so the two places that now I, I'm sure, you know, the other fans, the, but where I've been, I'd say those two, um, you know, and obviously Albany, but I was kind of there at the beginning of Albany and I know, they were still great fans, but yeah. they even got they even got better as yeah. it went along. If somebody comes up to you in five years, coach, say let's say you're not coaching in the AFL anymore or coaching football in any way, and somebody asks you about the Arena Football League, and we'll say at that point it has not come back, how would you explain the AFL to this fan? I would say the AFL is probably the most exciting. It's the most exciting football. Um, that you would ever see if I had explained to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, I never really, I never really heard anybody over the thirty years go to an arena football game and go, "Oh, that was terrible." Um, they like it, you know. You, you go to an arena game, and especially a good one where there's a lot of fans and you know everyone's into it. Um, I've had so many of my friends and people I know that, you know over the years have gone to a game and go, wow, I never knew that was like that. That was unbelievable. Um, so it's just, and I, and I think people don't know how good the football was. Um, you know, it was, the rules were different and they're set up different. So the, the game is obviously a lot different than the outdoor game. Um, but you don't realize how good all these players were that have come through here. I mean, you know, all these guys that were in the NFL and NFL camps and colleges and small colleges. And, um, you know, I tell people this, that it was, there was a lot of talent. I mean, I remember coaching and, you know, we had guys come from NFL camps and we had guys come from playing in the NFL and I caught them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how good the talent was um, in the arena football league. And that really goes back to the beginning too. Um, when you had a lot of good players all the way back there. So those things, just that it's, it was a great, it's, it's probably one of the greatest games. Obviously I loved it and I still do. And, uh, just a lot of good players have gone through it. We'd like to thank coach 10 for joining us on this episode of AFL rewind. Uh, what a way to look back at, as I said, at the beginning of the show, uh, what many consider, uh, the, the grail of all grail games in AFL history. Um, to be able to see how he got involved in the AFL and how his career really took off and uh, how he made a name for himself uh, in the AFL. If there are any uh, comments, questions, concerns for future episodes, uh, or if you want to let us know who you'd like to have on a future episode, you can email us over at aflrewind at arenafan.com. And also, if you happen to miss any of these episodes, there are many ways where you can go back and get caught up Uh, If you head over to SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and our audio version over on YouTube. We do thank you for joining us for this episode. And as always, especially during this strange time, there have been some, some positive things to come out, but we want to make sure that you do stay safe and stay healthy.
So for everybody here at AFL Rewind, I'm Tim Kapper. Watch the rebound off the net.